it's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of small brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. In this episode, we talk to Pastor Mark Reyes. This guy has improved so much in the past two years. My goodness, he has cut like an hour off his half marathon time. And while we talk a lot about his improvement as a runner and all the things he's done to see, basically all the things he's worked on to see and realize that improvement, we go much deeper than that. As I just mentioned, he is a pastor and we talk about the mind-body connection, spirituality, how he found his faith and how it connects his, you know, basically connects his faith to his running. And it's a very symbiotic relationship for him. And I couldn't wait to talk about it because this is something that we don't explore very much on this episode. But having some, having a faith journey is a part of so many people's lives. And no matter what their faith is, it is just an indelible aspect of their character and their personality. And it was so fun to talk to Mark with that in mind. So without further ado, here is my episode with Mark Reyes. Hello, Mark, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going great, my man. I, I got to be honest with you. Now that we've just started 2020, how are you feeling? I mean, your 2019 was so darn good. You probably didn't want the calendar to turn over. That's right. You know, we're, uh, what are we, three days into this. It's looking good so far. So I'm, uh, I'm optimistic uh, about the, the rest <laughs> of the year to go. Oh, my goodness. You had an unbelievable 2019. Um, and not to say, I mean, shoot, you had a lot of great years in your life. Just from a running perspective, but you said four different PRs in 2019. Is that right? Yeah. Every uh, sort of major distance that you talk about, the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, the marathon, uh, each of those distances, I've, I've uh, hit a PR, uh, you know, personal best for me. Um, you know, so yeah, it's been a great year so far. All right. So let's just, I'll just run these down. And so yeah, in the 5K, you ran two, uh, 2021. 10K, 42, 49, ran a 132 half marathon, and then a 311 in the full. Just an unbelievable year. With that said, you're somebody who goes out of their way um, to talk about how, like, you know, not to focus on numbers. So for, you know, that this is much more holistic. Uh, You can't just be numbers focused. And yet you're also a perfectionist. So with all of this being said, how do you personally balance the idea of, approaching running in a holistic manner and not kind of erring on the side of the the metrics and perfectionist side of your personality. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, I, I think that's a, a sort of a, a topic that we all really struggle with, um, try, especially as runners. I mean, we're really focused in on the, the physical aspect of things. So what does the number say on the clock? Um, and so because we look at that and we're runners, we, we put a lot of our, our worth and our value uh, when we whatever number we see on the clock uh so if we're if we're going for a 130 half marathon which that's actually what i was going for in 2019 uh but as i ran the was running that race in indianapolis i found very quickly that that wasn't going to happen um and so i really just settled into uh the reality of where i was at that point on that at that day on that on that race day um, you know, cause the day before I thought, well, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. I think an hour and a half is, is totally reasonable. And, and, and in my coach, you know, Patrick Cutter, you know, he felt that that was a doable goal as well. Um, but you know, when I started, as I started running, um, as any runner would know, uh, you don't know what race day holds for you. 
Um, it, it could be a, a, a grand slam or um, you could, you know, have some stomach issue and that's going to completely uh, ruin the race. And so I, I think a lot of what really helps me is just sort of um, uh, living in the moment of race day, right? So adjusting my expectations if I physically am not able to on that day uh, and being okay with it, um, you know, because really what it comes down to, it doesn't matter what other people think. Uh, it, it doesn't really, um, you know, uh, I mean, we only get, we give as much weight as we, we want to, to what other people think. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but really in the grand scheme of things, this is just a number on the clock. Um, it, does, it doesn't define who we are and it doesn't define our value. That's a great point. But even for yourself, as someone who, you know, can fall under the perfectionist mindset, and, you know, this is something that you've you know, talked about, how this is, you know, something that you struggled with specifically when you were younger as well. Do you feel like that part of you is more kind of connected to or potentially connected to race times? Or does that part of you start to, to eke out a little bit? you know, when you're doing your workouts and trying to hit your paces and, you know, the, the, the two workout a week system that you really try to, you know, maximize and hopefully that you're, you're progressing from week to week and month to month. Yeah. I think it's a lot of the, um, uh, what's helped me with my sort of perfectionism is these workouts that we have, um, as we lead up to a race. Um, because what I've found is that these workouts provide a safe place, uh, for us to fail. And that doesn't mean that you can't fail, uh, or come up short uh, in on race day. I mean, that's that's okay. Uh, but I think what um, what these workouts do is, is it gives us a place to to fail, to see where we where, where things went wrong, um, and then you know pick ourselves up, you know push a little harder, use that um, that bad workout to motivate you to push yourself even further uh, the next workout. Um, and so I think it's really helped me because it's provided me a place um, to fail. Um, because I think in, in our world and sort of in our, our culture, I mean, you don't, you don't want to fail, right? Because you have everybody else looking at you. And especially with social media, it sort of um, kind of uh, pounds away at like if you do, don't have a good race day or if you have a bad workout, but yet you see everybody else, you know, having a great workout. You see everybody having a great race, but yet you didn't, you know, have a good year. You didn't have a good workout. You didn't have a good race, whatever that might be. Um, you know, you're, I think you're even more tempted to just beat down more on yourself. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what, what I come away with. Now, before you got into running, what was your athletic background like? Because you've improved so much in such a short amount of time. Were you, were you a, a really good athlete at, you know, kind of your younger self and you're kind of getting back to that? Or is this kind of uncharted territory for you? Uh, actually, I mean, I wouldn't have called myself athletic, uh, really at any point in my life. Uh, you know, uh, unless you count the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, my, my forced stint into peewee football, uh, when I was younger, uh, you know, I hated it. You know, I hated getting hit. Um, I was basically like a second, third string wide receiver and like, I hated getting hit. So we had to always do this drill where, you know, they gave me the ball. I had to run and like let somebody hit me, you know, and I was like, man, this is not, this isn't for me. Um, so I found, you know, sort of solace in less sort of contact sports, um, like tennis, you know, I became sort of a an above average, average tennis player in middle school, high school, uh, not quite good enough to, to sort of have, uh, uh be involved in collegiate play or anything like that. Uh, but I was, I was decent. Um, 
and so, but it, but it's sort of in uh, in high school, um, I, I sort of just picked up running uh, around the age of sixteen, um, and for me, uh, that was really out of necessity, right? Because I, I think at that point in my life, I had a lot of personal struggles, uh, you know, I was dealing with, and um, you know, that's probably a conversation uh, for another day. Um, and, and so, when these issues would sort of flare up in my life, I mean, running became a way for me to cope with these issues. Um, in a very effective way. So it wasn't, um, I think it's easy for people to, to think of that and say, well, maybe he was just running away from his issues. But uh, for me, running became um, a place for me to deal with these issues, uh, to clear my mind, to think straight. Um, and, and because running um, sort of had the special place in my, in my life, um, I, I think it provided for me a sense of freedom. Um, but also when I became a uh, a person of faith, I became a follower of God. Uh, it helped me to draw closer to God um, because right now in, in my, my own personal life, uh, it's really become the time I pray. Uh, it becomes the time where I listen to God. Um, and so running has sort of uh, become this really special thing um, that I that I do. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's the physical uh, benefits to it, um, but for me, uh, it's really sort of carried an even deeper meaning um, sort of in the, the spiritual aspect of things. So has running always been kind of a solitary sport for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always find um, that I, I just do better. I, I guess when I run by myself or um, I mean, I guess when I run with other people, maybe I just haven't found the right people to run with. Uh, and it's not that anything's wrong with these people it's not like they're gossiping or they're complaining all the time about how i hope you're not talking i hope you're not talking badly about your parishioners here mark i know no 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 i i think it just i don't know i just have always you know made it a time where um you know i i'm just able to just be by myself be to my own thoughts and and i know for some people that's probably a scary place to be Right. I mean, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't want to be with your own thoughts, you know, because that's, that's the loudest voice in your life. Right. And, and if you haven't uh, sort of really tended to yourself emotionally, mentally, spiritually, um, that, that voice um, between your ears is, is the, the loudest and could be the most toxic. And so, uh, but for me, um, uh, as I said, I mean, it becomes, it became a place for me um, to draw closer to God and, um, really what I hear when I'm, when I'm running is not really my voice, but really trying to just listen into what, what God would have for me for, for a specific day or, um, you know, who, who he may want me to pray for, um, you know, and things like that. Um, so it's really become just something that I really like to do on my own. So you're a pastor, uh, at, uh, the Connection Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So when did you become a person of faith? Yeah, so um, actually, when I started running um, around that same time is really when I became a person of faith. Um, you know, I actually grew up, um, you know, going to Catholic church. You know, um, uh, I was born in you know San Antonio, Texas, and uh, if if anybody is familiar with that part of the the United States, um, you know that there's a lot of Catholics in San Antonio, Texas, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it, it seems like that's sort of the cultural thing. You know, so you, you grow up in San Antonio, you somehow are, have all of these Catholic leanings. And so that's what my family did. You know, we, we went to mass, um, every, every week. Um, uh, but in that, in those early years of my life, like faith really didn't mean anything to me. Uh, it wasn't real. 
um, I felt that I was sort of going through these motions of uh, of faith and sort of a uh, of religion, um, you know, because I, you know, going to Catholic church, I know knew all the, you know, crossing myself. I knew what to say, when to say it. I knew when to kneel. I knew when to stand up. I knew when to hold the people's hands next to me. I knew all of those things. I still know those today because that was just something that was ingrained in my early life. Um, but yet at that point, it just didn't have any meaning to me. Um, but then when I turned 16, um, you know, I sort of had these, um, um, it, it sort of personal struggles that I was dealing with, um, at that point in my life. And, um, I, I just, I, I think I reached a point in my life where, um, I came to the realization that I couldn't do this life on my own. I couldn't deal with the issues I was dealing with, um, on my own. Um, you know, and obviously there's, there's people, physical people like I leaned on, um, you know, people in, in um, uh, in our, in our family that I, that I would talk to, um, that I would lean on for, for, for advice, for wisdom, for all those kinds of things. Uh, but I felt at that point in my life that I needed someone outside of myself, um, whom I could rely on. Um, and that person for me became God. Um, you know, and so when, when I turned 16, you know, I picked up running again, that, that became a, a place for me to, um, cope with or deal with this, these personal struggles I was dealing with. Um, you know, they'd come up, I'd go for a run. Um, you know, and, and when I run now, it's not like I'm still dealing with those struggles. It's just that it's sort of, be, it's become a big part of my life that I just do it. I just run all the time. Um, but at that point in my life at 16, I just decided I can't do this on my own anymore. Um, need someone else uh, outside of myself, and that person happens to be God. Um, and so I guess like the rest is history. <laughs> so a lot of people have come to similar, you know, the similar moments in their lives where maybe the circumstances around them are different, but that feeling of this isn't working, I need something else to support me. Uh, in some way, either like either they, they they know for sure that they need some support or help, or they just have this vacancy in their lives, which, you know, that that vacant feeling leads to that, you know, obviously the next logical step is this needs to get filled somehow um, in some way. So when you were experiencing that, what were the steps that you used to not only identify you know, what, what exactly you needed from a support perspective. Um, but you know, when you, when you say, all right, I want to be a person of faith, you know, that doesn't necessarily like narrow down the options a lot because there's <laughs> a lot of, you know, like, and hey, shoot, you drive down the road in most urban areas, like you're going to see lots of different options from a faith perspective. So how did you go through the process of finding your way in, in, in the faith world? Yeah, I mean, at a young age, that was kind of difficult to do because um, I, I guess at that point, um, the rest of my family uh, they they weren't uh, we wouldn't have considered themselves uh, people of faith. Um, they wouldn't have considered themselves people who are sort of diligently following God, uh, and so I, I sort of had to um, search and, and seek on my own, um, you know. And 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 it wasn't like there's a, a particular church. That you have to go to uh, in order to be, um, you know, the the true person of faith. I mean, obviously, there's there's different religious groups out there that might believe that they're the uh, sort of the uh, be all end all, that they're the true church sort of thing. Um, but I think you can probably go just to, to just about any church um, uh, down your street or whatever, and and, and find God uh, in there. Um, you know, so I, I think part of it is that is the 
you, you know, you personally have to go and seek this out. But at the same time, there's also the spiritual piece of it, the God piece of it, where God is calling, God is drawing people uh, to himself. Um, you know, and God speaks to us in many ways. I mean, uh, when he calls people to follow him, I mean, that's going to be different for every person. You know, for me, it happened to be, um, you know, when I'm dealing with these internal struggles and, and, and God said, and, and I feel like I can't do it on my own. Like that's a way of God speaking to a person, speaking to me, um, and, and drawing me closer to him. Um, uh, when you get into terrible circumstances in your life, I mean, God can use those circumstances, um, to draw you closer to him as well. Uh, and we see this all the time. I mean, when you, when a national tragedy happens, I mean, one of the first things that people do is to, uh, to seek God or to pray, right? I mean, that's one of the, uh, the main things we do. I mean, I remember, uh, when 9-11 happened and, and, you know, you see these, these news stories of, of how churches are filling up, right? Because people are, are, um, have this deep need for something beyond themselves. Um, and they seek, they search and, um, and many people find it you know, in God himself. And as you were looking for something that was beyond yourself and this deeper connection to the world around you, the people around you, and then the spiritual world itself, when you were going through that process and then ultimately finding it, did you find that you had like a mindset shift towards yourself and others? Or what, what sort of transformation happened with inside of you as your faith started to take root? Yeah, I mean, I think what what happens is that life no longer becomes a, uh, becomes a life about just you. Right? It becomes a life about other people, uh, and, and that's what we see, you know, throughout the Bible is this this idea of selflessness, uh, where we're and that doesn't mean we shouldn't take care of ourselves. That shouldn't mean we, that doesn't mean we shouldn't look out for ourselves. It doesn't mean any of that, but it means that in in, in everything we do. Um, that uh, to honor God, I mean, we are treating other people with uh, utmost respect, right? And we uh, do things for the benefit of other people. Uh, we, we, we love other people unconditionally. We forgive people unconditionally. Um, and, and I feel like, um, you know, sort of my attitude and my mindset before, you know, becoming a person of faith, I mean, really, life was really all about me. Uh, life was really all about me seeking um, and satisfying uh, my own desires, my own pleasures, uh, whatever it is I wanted instead of uh, if, when you become a person of faith is that it, it no longer becomes about you, but it becomes really about what God wants um, for your life and what God wants for the life of the people uh, who are around you. Um, you know, and I think a, another piece of this is that we, we, you know, we all have this inner desire within us, and the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, um, you know, talks about this. It's a it's a journey of a man who um, sought after all these things on earth, right? So money, power, pleasure, all of these things, and he ended up coming up empty. Um, you know, he tells us that that God has sort of placed eternity in our hearts. He's he's placed this desire in our hearts for something more than this life. Right, that there's something outside of this life that can satisfy those deep desires that we have for contentment, for for value, for worth, for all of those things, um, and they can't be found in you know in money, pleasure, or running, um, you know, or whatever we want to fill it with, uh, because those things aren't a constant, right? Those things aren't though um, those things always change, um, but yet what this author was saying is that he was saying that. Uh, really where you can find your worth, where you can find your value, where you can um, really uh, meet that deep desire for contentment in life 
um, is only in God himself. Um, and so I think you sort of have this mindset shift of, okay, it is all about other people, but then you also have this other sort of shift in your life that, you know, you, you, you can't just seek after the things of this world, that something outside of it is there. Someone is there to satisfy our deepest desires. So as you progress as a runner and as a practitioner of faith within your own faith community, what have you come to understand within yourself and others about, you know, just a mind-body connection? Because as you mentioned before, you know, for you, you know, running is, you know, a spiritual practice in some sense of the word. So what, what, how were, how did these two connect, uh, in your own experience? Yeah. So I think over time, you know, I really, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I think, um, as I was using running to to cope with the issues I was dealing with. Um, and then when I did become a follower of God, like that whole spiritual aspect then sort of took over um, where I would, I would pray, where I would, um, you know, find that, that time to, to get away from like the noise uh, of everything else, even though I'm running through busy streets, um, I'm still able to, to get away uh, in my own mind and to, um, to, to seek God and to be sort of still or be silent before him so that, you know, he can speak to me uh, about whatever uh, it is that he wants to say. Um, you know, and so I think um, with the whole, you know, spiritual piece, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, people, I think a lot of people can probably find this spiritual sort of aspect, um, um, you know, in running, um, you know, and, and not not just as a, a physical benefit or, um, you know, I mean, it's got, it's got a lot more benefits than that. But when I think of the spiritual aspect, like I don't, I don't ever get to a point where maybe like I, like I lose myself or maybe I, uh, you know, with some, I think if you, if you take some meditation to a, a, an extreme, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of like losing yourself in, in the midst of all of that. Um, but when you, when you think about um, the spiritual aspect with running, I mean, the, the central piece to all of that is God himself. Um, you're, you're situating your, your whole mind, you're situating your whole emotions, you're situating your, your so, sort of physicality on like God himself, someone who is unchanging, right? And, and so when I, when I run um, and when I um, sort of have the spiritual aspect to it, add the spiritual aspect to it, I mean, it's a time for me to pray. It's a time for me to, to seek God's will. It's a time for me to uh, listen, uh, you know, not say anything, and just listen to what God, uh, you know, has to say to me. Um, and that's different for every person. I mean, not everybody is going to find a, you know, spiritual uh, sort of uh, enlightenment uh, when they run. Um, as, as you mentioned, as you said in your, your question, I mean, people can find that going and sitting down on the couch and, 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 and reading a Bible or reading uh, something inspiring, or they could go for a long walk. Um, and find it there. They can go sit on their back porch and, and find uh, God in those places as well. Um, you know, one of the the books I like um, that I've read in the past here is uh, called um, God in My Everything, uh, where uh, the author really tries to um, point out that like God can be in every place um, at any time and in any moment. Uh, so for me, it so happens to be when I run, that's when I have this sort of sense of you know, God is with me, right? Um, and it's been true, you know, over my time in running that God has been with me in those times. Um, and it's not that I don't, I don't sense him. It's not that I don't, um, you know, that I don't pray at any other times of the day. 
uh, it just so happens to be because of my experience, because of the things I've dealt with in the past, uh, that this is where God speaks to me uh, the most. And this is where he's most clear uh, with me. Um, and interesting not enough, like what I find is that when um, my spiritual life isn't doing so well, like when I feel like I'm uh, and surprise, I mean, pastors can have like bad days too, you know, um, you know, we're not these, these perfect people. Um, but I find that, um, if my spiritual life is sort of off in some way, um, I, I usually dread running. Um, it, it's a really interesting sort of thing that sort of just, uh, has happened over the last couple of years, two to three years or so, as I got more and more serious about running, uh, is that I find that just, you know, if there's something off, you know, it's sort of in my relationship with God. And it's not that God is, is, is making things off. It's that I'm, um, you know, there's something just that I, that I need to deal with, um, that usually my running is taking a hit as well. Um, you know, either I'm, I'm not wanting to do it. I'm just, uh, sort of dragging my feet. I'm, you know, hating every step, you know, and so on and so forth. And so for me, it's become really, I, I guess, a big part of my life. Um, you know, as I've, you know, when I became a person of faith and then really started running. Well, I really appreciate you saying that because I, you know, come to experience this in another way. And I know my coach talks about this in a similar sense of, you know, stress is stress and it has a huge impact on your body, whether that's stress, you know, physical stress from a hard training day, the stress of being a parent, uh, your profession, or in this case, you know, a, a kind of a stressful spiritual period as well, that it all is going to have, and it's going to impact you in every area. And that is naturally going to include your athletic life. And obviously, how, you know, how, 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 how much it does affect you and its current impact, you know, can certainly vary and things like that. But ultimately, you know, it, it, you know, stress is stress and it's going to be a big deal and it's going to have an effect on you. So it's interesting to hear you say that, um, about how, you know, when you're, when you're not having one of those, one of those, having one of those great days as a pastor, it can actually affect your running. Cause I think, you probably have have had days where it's been the opposite, right? You've had, you know, you've gone for that run and it's like really cleared your mind and, you know, we've all had those those kinds of runs. But do you feel like it also can go the other way, especially now that you've, you know, done so much with your running and maybe have certain performance expectations that maybe you didn't have earlier in your life? Oh yeah, I mean that that's totally like I think something we all struggle with. That's something I really struggle with because again, I'm a perfectionist, right? And I set for myself, you know, anybody who's a perfectionist would probably agree with this fact that we we often set high standards for ourselves um in, in our own lives and then when we don't meet those expectations, uh then we beat ourselves up, we're even more down. We maybe want to throw in the towel, we want to give up running or something for a season because we just feel like we can't meet the expectations that we have set for ourselves. Um, and now sometimes those expectations, um, and I've seen this in my own life, whether a spiritual aspect or whether even in my, in my running or in other parts of my life, that I set unrealistic expectations, right? I mean, in running, we always talk about how, uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about this, I talk about this with um, my coach, Patrick Cutter, um, is that you need to set goals based on where your fitness is, right? I mean, I'm not gonna set a goal to run a, 230 marathon next this next year when I'm nowhere near that. Now, I, I mean, it's not impossible for somebody to do that, but based on where I'm at, based on my own fitness level, like I'm not there, um, you know, and I, I have to realize that, right? And so a big part of that is also trying to be 
um, sort of bringing like humility, you know, into the, the picture. Uh, because I think as runners, I mean, I think we can, a little bit of pride can sort of get in there, sneak its way in, um, uh, into our lives. Um, because, you know, we look at all this stuff on social media of all these people posting these great, you know, PRs, they, you know, they're, they got first or second place and, and all these other things. And so we then, um, set our expectations based on those people. Uh, we look at those people and say, man, why can't I do that? And so we set those expectations for ourselves and then we fail at those expectations. And then you go down this sort of slippery slope of now I'm doing this cold compare. I fall into this comparison trap and, uh, you know, and it just keeps going down, 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 and down, and down, downhill from there. Um, you know, so I think, um, when we start looking at expectations for our own life, I mean, we really just have to be realistic uh, with where we are, uh, what our life is like as well. Uh, I mean, because I'm sure every person who runs, I mean, they have other priorities in their life. Uh, it's not just, you know, these goals that we have or these expectations we have for 2020. Um, you know, there are other things that, that are pulling on our time uh, and we also have to respect those things as well. All right. So in the last seven years, you've dropped an hour from your half marathon PR. An hour, Mark Reyes. Yeah. And also, <laughs> you know, you've gotten married in that time. You've had a child in that time. You've had, um, you know, play, you've been working at Connection Church. You know, you've done so many things. So with all that being said, what were you able to do athletically to improve so dramatically during that period of time, obviously it was a long period of time, but still a dramatic improvement while still doing all these other aspects of your life as well. Yeah, no, um, I, I think I started out just like everyone else. And, um, you know, I think, you know, one day I just, um, you know, I had been married, uh, I was in seminary and, you know, I just told my wife, uh, you know, I, I think I want to run a, a half marathon. And, um, you know, that was back in, you know, 2012, and I hadn't even run a 5K. I hadn't even run a 10K. And I, I just said, well, I just, you know, I just, I just had a wild hair or something and uh, decided I'm just going to run this thing. And so like everyone else probably just looked online, like, how do I run, you know, in, in Google or, or whatever, how do I run a half marathon, um, you know, without dying, <laughs> you know, or something. Um, and, you know, one of the things that came up, you know, is I, 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 I uh, uh, sort of became a student of the Hal Higdon method, you know, um, and I think a lot of people start there. Um, I have a lot of newer um, runner friends who um, sort of are working through that. I mean, they're at the beginning of the running journey and they, you know, found Hal Higdon. And I, I think he's, it's really great method. I mean, it, it got me to like successfully like complete uh, different uh, race distances um, though not perfectly. I mean, and I think that's maybe not an ask, not, not the plan itself, but probably, the 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 athlete myself uh perhaps not following things as well as i should or not really having clear direction you know because i'm sort of just reading a plan um you know and not really knowing what exactly to do um and then it wasn't until uh 2018 um so i was on how higdon for for all that other time um but then in 2018 i um sort of had this this um i don't know uh, realization that you know, I'm paying all this money, and and this is this is not a, a slight to anybody who who just runs races for medals or anything like that. Um, but in my for myself, I thought, man, I'm paying all of this money to go and run, you know, 13 miles or whatever uh, at the same pace that I'm running all my other runs. Like, why don't I just go out here and run 13 miles? 
Um, and so I thought, man, I, I, I just, I think I really want to get faster. Um, and so that's when I picked up, um, Hanson's, uh, marathon method. Um, you know, and by that time, you know, I had already done, you know, a number of half marathons. I had done two marathons that were terrible. I mean, they were, I mean, I felt terrible after the first one. I mean, I could barely walk. I could, um, and that, the first one was in 2013. I could barely walk. I felt terrible. I mean, like, I think I, I bonked at mile like 10 or 11 of the Ooh. marathon. <laughs> yeah. That's an early one. That's early. No. And I, uh, I, I was already past the, uh, cut the, the sort of the, the, uh, you know, they have the, the breakoff point where the half marathoners go one way and the marathoners go the other way. So I had missed that mark already. And so I was like, okay, well, I've got 16 miles <laughs> ahead of me that I ran walked. Um, and so that was, that was a, a pretty terrible thing, you know, cause I, I think what happened was, is I, you know, I, like I said earlier, I think runners are a little prideful. You know, I mean, we we think, oh, well, I, I just got to run fast and I got to run fast all the time. And so that's exactly what I did. And uh, I bonked at mile 10 to 12. Um, so um, that one was terrible. And the second marathon was just as terrible. I was better, but it was just as terrible. Um, you know, and I told my wife after every one of those, man, I'm not doing this again. Like, I just can't. Uh, mentally, I can't do this. Physically, I, I can't even do this physically, like let alone mentally. Um, and so then after that second marathon, I picked up um, Hanson's Marathon Method, which, I, by the way, I think is a really great program. Um, a great method that, um, Luke Humphrey and others have, uh, have put together. Um, you know, and I followed that, um, for, um, the Rocket City Marathon, which was in, um, 2018. And, uh, um, through, through that sort of training cycle, um, you know, I did a, a half marathon and like, I, like, I had a course PR of like 22 minutes, uh, which was awesome. Um, but then when it came to the marathon, like, I, was more concerned about, you know, a fast time, uh, rather than like just trying to come to, 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 to run it well. Um, and so I ended up bonking in that marathon as well, um, at about mile 16 or 17. Um, and when I did rocket city, like I had just come on board with, uh, McCurdy trained and, and, um, you know, Patrick Cutter is my coach. Um, we hadn't, we hadn't had much training, uh, you know, or much, much, uh, time with each other. Um, you know, I think I had signed on like December and the, tr you know, he basically took over training and, but rocket city was like a week or two after that. So um, let me, let me ask you a little bit about those marathons because obviously you're putting in a lot of effort. You were very conscious of like, Oh, I want to improve. You're following a high level plan, you know, set out, obviously it wasn't personalized, but you know, the Hansons are great coaches and they do great work. So obviously like the plan was reputable. Do you feel like you just overestimated what kind of fitness you were in for the marathon? Like how would you describe now looking back, you know, um, with, you know, with, with uh, the kind of mental clarity that sometimes only time can provide, you know, what do you think was the issue in terms of, either not understanding your fitness level or maybe your expectations were off. What was the gap between what you were trying to do in those marathons and what you were capable of doing in those marathons? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of uh, my running journey has been me sort of just figuring things out on my own. Um, and when I, you know, and as I got started getting faster, um, and I started, you know, getting really into the heat of, you know, marathon training with the, with the Hanson's method. 
I think there was a point in that where I, I just felt that um, I, I think my expectations were right. I think the where I wasn't for the uh, for the marathon, I think I could have physically done it. Um, but I think throughout that that plan, I, I think there was just something missing. I think I really needed like a support system. Um, and I think that that was lacking throughout my sort of running, you know, career. Um, you know, obviously I have my, my wife and, you know, who supports me at every race I go to, uh, you know, now I have my daughter who, you know, comes to, to races too, and will, you know, cheer on, cheer me on or, or whatever. Uh, you know, I have that support system, but I needed someone to really guide my, my running. Um, and I didn't have that going throughout Hal Higdon or, or, or Hanson's, uh, um, you know, you just have a plan, you look at it and you do it. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, there isn't someone there to sort of help you along. Like if I get sick or if I, um, you know, other priorities in my life, um, you know, other things are just more important than, than running at this point. So how do I adjust, um, things, you know, what if I get injured? Like, what do I do? Do I just back off? How do I pick back up again? You know, all these sort of things that, um, are really, um, um, hard to answer questions when, um, you're sort of running at, uh, you, you know, you're sort of running on your own. You know, and as, as we talked about earlier, like I'm the kind of person who, who likes to work alone. I'm the kind of person who loves to run alone. Um, but I think what I realized throughout my running journey is that the running journey was never meant to be ran alone. Right? I think we were, we were meant to run in community. We're meant to run with, with um, a support system or other people or a person, you know, in my case, a coach um, who's there to push me, someone there to, uh, to be there for me. Uh, someone who sees potential in me when I don't, um, you know, I mean, there've been, you know, as I've been with McCurdy train, I mean, there've been workouts that Patrick has, has, has set up for me that I look at it, you know, when I get up in the morning, I'm like, man, I, I'm not so sure about this. Um, you know, I think Patrick's pretty crazy. I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, lost his marbles or whatever, you know, I just feel like I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Um, but yet, what I've, what I've experienced with Patrick uh, is that time and time again is that um, is that he wouldn't put a workout there if he didn't think I could do it. Um, and I have found that as I've done these workouts and have been successful in doing them, um, is that it's it, that it's so helpful to have somebody there who is in your corner, who who's helping you, who's guiding you, who's giving you a race strategy, um, and who other also understands sort of the other priorities of life. Um, that running isn't all there is to life, that there are other priorities and they sort of help you and uh, guide you through that. So let's talk about, you know, besides just, you know, obviously you want to, you know, do hard workouts and, and do as many miles per week as you can that fits into your schedule and won't make you injured. And, you know, just like those common principles that all runners try to juggle. What elements within the past year or so has Patrick helped you with specifically that have really, you know, allowed you to kind of reach like, you know, level up, you know, basically to level up, you know, one time after another throughout the year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, all this running that, that I've been doing is that I think what I've really learned um, is that that whole idea of running your own race. Um, you know, I think what, what happens is, and I get uh, and the, my, uh, my running journey is a testament to this when I bonked really early on in all these races as I'm running other people's races. And I, I'm seeing how fast this other person's going. I was like, man, I'm not going to let this person pass me. So I'm going to stay ahead of them. And so you end up wasting all your energy and then you end up bunking. So what I, what I think he, he's helped me realize is that, um, that I've really just got to run my own race. 
Um, you know, so it's been so helpful that, you know, before a race or, and even after the race that we, we, we talk, we sit down and talk, we, or not sit down, but on the phone, we talk about, you know, what went right and maybe what didn't go so well. Um, and so we, we are able to work through those things, talk through those things, um, so that for next time we know how to adjust, um, or we know how to adjust going forward with training and, and things like that. Um, so I think he's really just helped me see that I, I've just got to run my own race, um, and, and I think the, the, sort of the running journey is a lot more fulfilling, uh, when you just concentrate on what you're doing, right. Rather than what other people are doing, uh, in the race. All right. So what does 2020 hold for you? Uh, you know, I, as far as, uh, you know, racing goes, I mean, I've, um, you know, I've got a half marathon in March, uh, which is sort of leading up to, uh, glass city marathon in April. Um, and so the hope is, um, you know, we've, we've set some goals for that. And, um, I mean, my hope is, is to, to qualify for Boston there. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I mean, only time will tell. We'll see how training goes. We'll see what race day holds. Um, you know, I'm sort of coming off a, um, sort of a minor injury and I had plantar fasciitis in both of my feet and then, uh, posterior tibial tendonitis in my left leg. Uh, and that was all sort of after the, the marathon in Indianapolis in November. Um, so I kind of took a step back there um, and I'm sort of now building back up um, that fitness. Um, and surprisingly, didn't lose a whole lot of fitness as much as I thought I would um, in that, that amount of time. I mean, I still kept running uh, very not, not as intense um, and the mileage was cut down quite a bit. Um, I was still able to run, thankfully. Um, and so now we're just, we're picking back up again and, um, hoping that we can, um, hit that goal. And, and, you know, and I've sort of just said to myself, I mean, if, if that doesn't happen this year, I mean, that's okay. Uh, I mean, we just keep pushing, keep moving forward, um, you know, on this running journey. That's fantastic. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much, not only about your running, but your spiritual journey as well as a topic that we don't touch on a lot on this podcast, but I know it's a big thing for a lot of people. And I really appreciate your insight. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for asking me to be on here. Mark, thank you for hopping on. This was so much fun. Mark is such a great guy, as you can tell, and it was a wonderful thing to have him on the show. Thank you to all of the sponsors, to Mark and to everyone rating, reviewing and sharing the show. We couldn't do without you. And Gosh, it's just, I really appreciate everyone uh, who shares this show. It really, every time I see it on Instagram, it means so much to me. You can follow me at rambling underscore runner. You can also check out the new website, theramblingrunner.com. Thank you so much for, for, for listening today. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm not going to try to say that too much, but I just, I mean it. So I just like repeating it. So have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.